So I think I'm done here. Here alone. And being done with something is part of my thing. When one is spent or has nothing more to say, it is okay to be quiet and to wait. I have found it will come again. Somebody asked me 30 years ago how I felt about aging or something like that. It turned out she was terrified of it, and I said that to the point of 32, I had found that each age had brought some huge spiritual possibility. And all I ever wanted to do was to tune into that. I watched an absolutely hypnotic and beautiful program yesterday on football in the South, American South, American college football. Wonderful poetic men, black and white men, remembering the part of their lives when they played the game. And the journalists who covered it like poets those wonderful Southern voices reminding me of their literature and their poetry, not the mindless politics of their frosty wasps. It was a source of real profound stuff. One fellow, now 61, had played for Alabama, I calculated, in the late 70s and said it was the high point of his life that he could not go back to see a game since because he had he would be overwhelmed by it that his daughter now grown kept insisting they go but he hadn't gone yet he has a very successful career after college he was offered a pro tryout but didn't do it his father seemed disappointed not my concern dad he wanted to do something else he became a very successful journalist and writer of books. I was really moved by how this game, culture, full of legendary figures and memories created in this man so much meaning. He nor I were demoralized by the confession that it was the high point, but more that he had gone very deep in his late teens and early 20s, and everything since had been a reflection of that glow. And here he was, at 61, writing a new book about his life and the fires that burned dropping the project, and those around him insisting he completed it, it being a great bestseller, and the men who wrote to him in appreciation of the book, how it told their story, the women who wrote, ex-athletes remembering their own superb days. I just thought, this is not regret. It is the melancholy at the heart of the deeply lived life. It may be life's greatest beauty. I lived in Atlanta, Georgia for 20 years. In my mind, it is a sumptuous place of great people, but a place of belonging where I could never belong because I do not belong anywhere, which is my gift. Maybe the story is in the metaphor of one of my greatest lucks. Among so many, I get more and more clear on admiration. It is a big thing for me, more than love, perhaps. When my father died four years ago, I realized, thinking on him, pondering him, reading his diaries, that he was Ulysses, trapped in a modern life, in a modern career. He was Tennyson's Ulysses. And I admire that. And I admired his courage and his pursuit of being Ulysses when all around him said no. 
I have known lots of the brilliant and the difficult. I don't think at the end of the day, brilliance and difficulty can be separated, not because the talented are a pain in the ass by default, that old cliche, but that difficulties birth creations. It seems as if we try to resolve contradiction and make beauty by the effort. So Atlanta, despite the horrid vestige of racism, where grown-ups have actually taken their capacity for admiration and turned it malignant into envy and bigotry, has a thousand, has a thunderous Europe Olympian culture. I was there making a play early this year and there it was again, seething. And I remembered with a friend yesterday, another friend we both found it difficult to deal with, and I realized this trait in myself. I didn't care if he was difficult because I admired him. He has a sort of galvanizing fire about him. I don't admire, as some seem to, where the focus of it is a person of virtue or restraint, exactly the opposite. I admire excess, excess of feeling and action not the careful and the watchful, the misinterpret of Apollo we of the French and English stocks so admire. This happens a lot with actors who can be capable of mind-blowing performance while living in a stew of strife. Our desire to admire is not the weakness that idolizes. One doesn't lose the self in admiration, not what Jordan Peterson warns of. You will develop a deep inferiority complex if you Google Stephen Fry's achievements, nailing his oeuvre entirely, his pig pen of smallness. Admiration is given easily and seems to be one of the best things we have got. Once one feels that something has changed, one is past envy. I suppose admiration happens, not hero worship. Admiration is really recognition that I have touched the same fire. Like watching the beautiful horse or dog. I remember too the other day watching some athletics on television. About 15 years ago, I sprinted for the last time maybe. Watching the world-class sprinters, men and women, maybe more the women because they are more expressive of their pleasure. I remember that feeling of running barefoot at terrifying speed. Aware of the ground passing under your feet, charging down the prize. In this case, I was playing tag with a child at a picnic. I might sprint again. It surprised me then. There is nothing like it. And I think there is a lot to the maximizing of the physical whenever, because the body remembers and craves the sensation which must be accessed differently in different ages. And oh, the sleep that follows the run the opioid without the drug, perhaps. I set out, I think, a year ago. It may have been 10 years ago. I don't remember. At 65 years old, to answer the question, why are we in the mess we are in now when the wisdom of the days when I was 15 was so promising? That I could read the books of Eldridge Cleaver and James Baldwin and hear the MLKs and be so excited at what was coming that the Eden I grew up in might be the future. That, that is the Eden of possibility where such thoughts were thought and such crazy extreme measures taken to extinguish them as if the gun used by the crazy 18-year-olds to kill innocent adults and children yesterday was loaded in the 60s to take out anyone who rocked the good old European slave ship and its new cargoes from the third world. No, not a utopian Eden. 
just the one we've always had, full of strife, full of good trouble, but without murder as the agreed solution. The fault, dear Brutus, is not in our stars, but in ourselves that we are under, underlings. It's from Julius Caesar. So often quoted, and tis a goodie from the master. It is the prequel to an assassination, lest we forget, and lumberingly somehow at the heart of January the 6th. But that was to replace one set of stars with another older and a discredited one. Cassius might have said, but he didn't. No more stars of any constellation. That'd get my vote. But that quote is the conclusion at which I have arrived, the answer to my question. As long as we need stars, exemplars, leaders, as long as we do not, do not root out the need, as long as that heyday in the blood is not tamed, as long as we continue to assume a virtue that we have not, as long as atheists fill their grievance with gods no better than the sky dad, or as long as we remain entranced by our glittering need instead of fulfilling and moving on, we will do what we do today, which is moving nowhere. Because it suits its founders, white European men, unnatural men, whose project from not the beginning but somewhere lately has been to control nature in all her healthiest manifestations because they were and are afraid of her. And they have the trick of spreading fear. They have nothing else. This will suffice. And it is an epitaph of great shame written on the stones of millions of graves. No, this is not an interpretation of the Sermon on the Mount unless we understand that it is nature, not God, that provides and to be content to dance with her until she takes us back again. Kind of biblical, I know, but all from before the book or any book. So for every Andrea Mitchell who says, well, we know where the devil dwells east of Estonia, we can tell from afar in our George Floyd reflection, perfection. For every courageous locked up journalist east of Estonia, there is an Assange, could we but look. That every day there is the offer of entrance into humanity, which the Euro-American refuses to accept, stuck in the identity of superiority, a culture that has no admiration, only groveling, idolizing, no Dionysus, only, only rationalism riding a dark, dark horse. It is indeed in ourselves. We have stars, not selves. That is the duality. And I'm done. But you never know. I never know. If nothing else need to be said, what wisdom, what dream, what intent, what understanding can come from a civilization with a worldwide and unanimous disregard for the thoughts of women? And having practiced so long on women, succumbing to the delusions of grandeur like babies do, they extended this sad arrogance to non-Europeans, male or female. What deviation? When did it happen? If we conclude, perhaps, that it was not always thus, I think it was not always thus. I think my whole thing has been about myth, its makers, but more about its needers. As I watched these gorgeous women compete in their relays recently, how can we not admire? It's not lust, it is sheer appreciation. 
How much more liberating than the science that brought us eugenics, for instance, or the handgun, is this emotional appreciation of beauty, hard work, gifts of nature? So what do I see? What went wrong after MLK? The persistent sticking to an old model, which, like the U.S. Constitution, is corrupted by its supremacist source and intent. I think any person is a fool who degrades Frederick Douglass because they need to. Because the notion of he or Maya Angelou possessing stuff these pompous gents never will shakes them so their only achievements are drenched in bigotry. Start over. Start together. You know nothing about gender, sex, race, nature, nothing. You took a wrong turn on all of it. The evidence is all around you. The wise woman might have said to James Watt, nice steam engine, Jimmy, now find a way to power it that will not destroy nature. It was not said, and so you have failed. Add this to the dismissal of woman and people of color, and you have nothing, zero. Admitting the error is tiny. We have so much to do. Unlike your cultural imperative, no one wants you punished. Just change. Go on, man. Get busy.